A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution forgiven. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins, which we're supposed to be conquering, have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is, is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. Inspiring mediocrity everywhere. This is Table Talk Radio. And uh, Pastor Wolfman there, I'm excited for today's show. Let's get our, I am too. Let's get our buzzwords underway so we can get our special guest on the air. A special, a new ingredient. Yeah. To yeah, this in sh- sure to improve things by a little bit um, or a <laughs> lot. Get, we'll see. Can't get worse. So what's your buzzword? My buzzword for you is Agnus Dei, which means enlighten the Lamb of God, and it comes from the preaching of John the Baptist, uh, John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it's such a beautiful and concise sermon, I mean, absolutely beautiful, that the church can't stop singing it. So that's why it gets into Latin as Agnus Dei, because the church is always singing, um, you know, Oh Christ, the Lamb of God. Oh, uh, We sing it after the words of institution. We sing it. Uh, all the time um, in the litanies and everything else. It, it makes its way into just about every hymn. So, uh, Agnus Day, Lamb of God. All right, my theological buzzword for you is confession. And uh, this comes from uh, a combination of two Greek words, uh, homo legeo. Uh, homo is uh, same. Homo legeo. So, oh, no. Homo legeo. <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, the same, like uh, a homosexual. It's going to be behavior for our sex. guest here so he doesn't... Yeah, he could become embarrassed. We'll see of us if he is up. still on the line by the time we yeah, get to I him. Know. He's probably hung I up know. by now. Uh, then uh, legeo saying or word, so that uh, we have the same saying. Now can we ha- we use this word confession in two ways. We'll talk about um, the confession of sins. We'll also talk about confessing the faith, and and essentially that means the same thing either way. If we confess the faith, our saying becomes the same saying of what God is saying, so that we would confess what God has given to us, the faith once delivered to the saints, um, that is our confession, what God's Word says. And when we confess our sins, we're making um, our saying that of uh, of ourselves, uh, that of what God says. So that God says, uh, look, you're born into sin, and we say, I am a sinner. And so we're confessing that we indeed sin. So confession, homo legeo, same saying. All right. Got it. Our uh, special guest, we fired Lumpy. We're trying to get some real experts on, and uh, we have uh, Clifford Stumey. He's the uh, pop song professor. Uh, hey, hey, sorry, hey. I, I mispronounced your name already, uh, Clifford <laughs> no, okay. Stumey. Uh, welcome, welcome to Table Talk Radio. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. So Super t- excited to talk with you guys. Tell us a little bit about the pop song professor. This is a blog. It's a YouTube channel. Tell us all about it. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try to keep it brief, but essentially two years ago, I, uh, I had just graduated with my master's in English, 
and you know the joke is that with a master in English you can't you know work any jobs other than maybe a, you know a coffee shop or something and so I decided to show everybody and I said well I'll become a blogger then and <laughs> it hasn't worked out so too well it's so good far, to have life goals yeah <laughs> I like to make them very achievable <laughs> uh, yeah so I just uh, while I was at work I started blogging and people started noticing. I started explaining songs. It started out as just kind of like a self-expression blog. And then I realized people cared about the explanations I was doing of different pop songs. And so I just try to keep it objective and, and analytical. And I just, you know, I provide literary analysis to uh, people who listen to pop music. And I, I think typically you wouldn't expect that the kind of people who are going around listening to the top 40 station are big fans of literary analysis. I know that when I teach actual lit classes at, at my full-time job, they're, they're not typically big fans of lit analysis, but when it comes to pop music, uh, it kind of changes their mind a little bit. So it's, it's off, often like a really good opportunity to engage people intellectually uh, and also to kind of talk about God, because a lot of these songs are about Christian themes uh, from, you know, from an atheist or a Christian perspective. And so it really opens up a lot of conversations. And I think that's probably the best quick summary I could give of it. Do you find that the the songs that you you um, bring an interpretation to these days are um, less profound or more profound, or is there really an effect uh, of songs uh, of yesteryear? <laughs> That's a really good question, and, and I haven't delved into yesteryear music music too much. Uh, you know, I've looked at some some songs by Kansas. I really like "Dust in the Wind." It's a pretty deep song, but I would say with with nowadays. Uh, with the music we've got, it's it's such a mixed bag. Like there are some songs that are just super shallow, and there are some songs that are just incredibly deep. Uh, and there are artists that you just know to go to look for if you want deep music, and artists you want to know to, you know to go to look for if uh, you want some dancing music. And there's just so much music. I, I I couldn't say really whether whether it's deeper or more shallow, but I think there's just a little bit of everything for whatever anybody would want. Well, uh, the website is uh, uh, cliffordstummy.com, uh, S-T-U-M-M-E, and uh, you can uh, sign up for his uh, email list and then check out uh, YouTube, his Facebook page, and all that uh, on his website. Now, uh, one of the things that's available that you, you, make, um, you make available is uh, through signing up to your email list is the, the 10 tips to help you decipher pop music. And, and you mark number one as read about the artist. Why is this an important step? Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of different theories about literary criticism, and some people reject this in the, in the academic community, but I think it's super important to just kind of find out who the artist is, because people write about things that are personal to them. Uh, the example I give in that document is Chris Martin's Ghost Stories. He's the, the lead singer for Coldplay, and if you didn't know about his divorce from Gwyneth Paltrow, which, you know, as much as it sounds like getting into celebrity gossip, which I do not enjoy... Uh, if you learn a little bit about that, it can really help to make you know help you to make sense of what's happening in the song. And um, this, you know, what I think is great about that. I mean, this is in some ways just a well, not it's not so covert. I mean, it's just right out there. But it's a way to take say, hey, look, we can find some art in front of us, and we can we can start to talk about these things in objective ways. So not only are you introducing kind of literary analysis, you're teaching hermeneutics. I mean, you're teaching. You're kind of undermining post-modernity by saying, hey, the songs, in fact, have meaning. I think that's great. Um, you know, and I, I was thinking the, about that beforehand, and I thought you guys might appreciate this a lot, way more than I expected. A lot of people, particularly young readers, will comment and say, you know, I really, like, that's not what the song meant to me. And, like, your interpretation's good for you, but, like, I really, you know, I, I kind of reject that because I wanted to hear what I wanted to hear out of the song. 
And you know, on some level, I, I tell them like, hey, if what you got out of the song was good and helpful and you learned something from it and you're a better person for it, I, I'm not going to waste my time arguing with you. But, you know, why not also know what the artist said? Because if you respect this person enough to listen to their music, you know, why not? Why not hear what they have to say, too? Oh, that's so, oh man, I love that because, I mean, this is how we read the Bible, too, is we actually have some respect for the person who wrote it. Which means yeah. that we're not just interested in what it means to me, but in fact what it means to them. And if we are just, if we just take a piece of art and pull out of it what we want to, what we want out of it, or we're, we're treating the art like a prostitute, you know? It's an, it's a, it's an abuse of the thing in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, so it's an act of love to actually be concerned about what was poured into it. You, you, your second rule here, I'm looking at the list, Evan wants to walk down to this, says, talk to somebody else. What, what about, uh, how does that help you get to the meaning of a, of a poem you know, or pop I, song? Well, that's because I put that in there because while I was writing my master's thesis, so 100 pages long, and, and maybe you guys have written longer things now, uh, but it was it was a ton of work. And I, I never even found read that... anything that long, by the way. <laughs> I was Man. like, I was so glad we're talking about pop songs because normally you can get them on like a page. That'll be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about going to academics, uh, but then I realized that these journal articles I would have to read to do the research and the ones I'd have to write would be so long. And I thought, well, yeah, pop songs, it's like a, what? Verse, chorus, pre-chorus, bridge. That sounds much more digestible. <laughs> but yeah. No, I found that as I was doing that stuff, as I was writing those papers, I would get hung up on something. And if I just had a buddy to talk to, I, I just think better out loud. So uh, a lot of times if somebody's trying to figure out what a song means, there's some really tricky ones out there. It could go either way. And just, you know, having somebody to kind of put those words out in the air so you can kind of hear them, hear yourself saying them, it helps make things clearer. Is, it, is that try to uh, take a step towards objectivity as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that uh yeah it's just it's usually helpful to do with that um, partially because the other person can ask clarifying questions and if you get if you're only inside of your own head uh you can get lost in your own personal assumptions about things whereas somebody else can can kind of call you out on that absolutely and then uh we're, we're going to take a break we're coming up on our first break Whoa. Then, um <laughs> we'll talk about uh ask yourself whether the it's about romance or religion and then also be looking for symbolism we'll be uh tackling some That'd of those be, that's a good one break. i like that one this will be a fun one <laughs> pastor wolf there's giddy over there about about uh, this see we we've been doing this on a very amateur level <laughs> what are you on, talking about amateur <laughs> it's, it's well i know it's always amateur hour uh here on the table talk radio but uh, but trying to to get the meaning and usually it boils down to um whatever Pastor Wolfmiller thinks up in his head at the time. Uh, I talked to you which, about it. <laughs> well, I don't I listen. I just don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we're going to be right back uh, more with the Pop Song Professor after this. If uh, you want to chime in on anything that you're hearing, you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652 is the phone number. You can always just send me an email. Uh, questions at tabletalkradio.org questions at tabletalkradio.org and uh, there's a Facebook page called Table Talk Radio but it's a closed group so you have to petition the uh, Facebook master over there to let you in and uh, he's right. pretty stingy he only lets oh, yeah. he only lets everybody in so <laughs> why it's closed I don't know we'll be right back Table Talk Radio we'll have a Radio. 
for those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. And we're hey, back. No, that was quoting the scripture. Talk did radio. you get that? The Cotton Eye Joe? What, what, Where did you come what, from? Where did you go? That's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 3. <laughs> well, look at that. See? It's uh, well, yeah, un- look at uncovering scripture and everything. <laughs> profound analysis of pop songs. Boy, yeah. Uh, you, you probably don't want to go too deep into an analysis of Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the level that Pastor Wolfmother can handle. Uh, we're talking oh, with the pop man. song professor, uh, Clifford Stummy. Uh, Clifford Stummy, and he, uh, he's been talking to us about the, the, uh, bringing some meaning to the, the pop songs that are, uh, around us. And before we continue in the, uh, the 10, the 10 tips to, uh, understand these songs, um, what's your response to, to people who just kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, there's no meaning. It's just a song. Just, uh, let me enjoy the music. There's no, you know, you have to find meaning in everything. What do you, resp- how do you respond to someone like that? It's actually typically a pretty easy response. It's get off my website or, or why did you come to my website? And, and that's a joke. I, I don't know. I try not to get angry at people and I rarely do. Uh, but typically if they're on my site, they've searched song meaning Chris Brown, the song, you know, and so they're here because they're looking for some meaning. So it always is just very funny to me. They will say, well, you know, I can't believe like you would say that this is the artist's meaning. And it's like, well, you were obviously looking for some sort of meaning if you're on my website, but uh, you know, I typically say, I, I just try not to, to engage people in that. Um, it's not really a, a discussion that can go anywhere, because if you're arguing from a point that says there is objective truth, and they're saying that there's not in this case, uh, you're just, you're not even fighting the same battle. Um, but I typically just try to ask them, well, what, what do they see in it? And I, you know, if it's a good thing, I affirm them. And if, if they've got some holes in it, I, I try to like use a Socratic method and draw them out a little bit, try to maybe show a weakness in their argument, show how they don't have like a fully you know, cohesive proof to it. Uh, and sometimes I learn something. Your third tip is uh, ask yourself whether it's about romance or religion. Why is it uh, usually one of these two? Well, uh, you know, I was, uh, I started this blog and I, I wrote these 10 tips uh, when I was looking at Mumford and Son songs. And they are notorious for, for writing, I guess, love songs to God, uh, where it's very hard to tell the difference. And so it's, uh, you know, these are just kind of the two big things that humans have to talk about and that they do end up talking about in music. And a lot of them are members of the opposite gender and the supernatural. Hmm. Or both. <laughs> I, li- yeah. I like that genre where you can't tell the difference, which is like most Christian worship songs. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait yeah. Like, I, I, for a long time, I heard people bashing Reliant K and other artists like that. Uh, because it sounded like they were trying to market to two different audiences. And I think that was typically the the argument against them was that they weren't being sincere because it seemed like it was more about the money. They were trying to be palatable to a wider audience. Huh. That's interesting. I well, don't know really. I, I remember um, years ago, I think uh, Lifehouse brought up that conversation because there was, I forget what song it was, but everybody was, you know, it was on the kind of pop radio song. And it was like, oh, no, no, that's not singing about a girlfriend is singing about God and somehow they 
Uh, it's almost like at least what I remember the conversation at the time was, um, oh, we, we we snuck it past the secular radio stations. <laughs> we we got we got God talk on the radio station, which which is ridiculous because if you sneak it past the radio station manager, you're sneaking it past the audience too, more than likely. <laughs> That's, That's right, especially so covert in operation nobody noticed. I love, I love the, I love the way you put mascara in your eyes. Like, don't you know that that's a secret reference to the Hebrew letter Yod? <laughs> that's fairly secret. It's almost as good as when people start arguing that you know a song isn't about a woman; it's about the Illuminati or something like that, which I have to deal with sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about uh, look for symbolism? Now, that I expect that this is uh, or suspect it's a, a pretty uh, major step in this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is one of those ones where I kind of I, I give it to people. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Then I like then I say, well, you know, you were paying attention in, in high school lit class. Right. And and they're like, oh, wait. Oh, you know, you got me. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's huge. There's, uh, you know, poetry works in pictures. I've I've been wrestling with this idea is that it seems to me anyways in the ancient world maybe even that not that long ago we would have had a common set of images to work with so I mean just in the scriptures for example the poetry really generally has to do with either the farm or the temple and these would have been pictures that people could have picked picked up they they knew what the um, what the beard of Aaron you know the beard of the priests looked like when it was running with oil they knew. Um, you know, that people knew what a seed looked like when it was growing up among the rocks. And, um, and now we're so fragmented that we don't have those common images and pictures so that we have a really kind of a reductionist kind of set of symbols and images and pictures and metaphors that we can actually pull from in in our poetry, in our art and in our music. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Uh, it- if I could suggest a song that makes great use of symbolism that connects well to a large amount of people, uh, I would say Car Radio by 21 Pilots. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. Uh, I don't. I don't think I have. It, 21 Pilots, both of the guys in the band are Christian. Uh, but that song, it, it uses the car radio as sort of the symbolism for white noise that an entertainment-based culture presents hmm. uh, and how that keeps us from thinking deeper thoughts that challenge us maybe to come to an understanding of God. And yeah, that's, yeah, that, that kind of symbolism. I think you have to, when you're looking at symbolism in, in this era, uh, you have to, it is harder to find things that are relatable to everybody, but I think they do a good job in that song. Your fifth tip is uh, listen to the rest of the album, which is interesting because I didn't even know uh, artists still released albums. I thought they just released uh, MP3s. Uh, but why, why is this still important? Well, uh, I think the example I gave there was was actually 21 Pilots 2. It was about their album Blurry Face, where if you just listen to Stressed Out, it seems to be sort of like this millennial whining about having been forced to like wake up and you need to make money. Uh, but if you listen to the rest of the album, you kind of understand like the narrative there. Some artists still write, you know, release albums that tell a story over the course of the album. And if, if you're kind of confused about yours or there's some words you don't understand or some references, it's worth it to check out other songs in the album. I'm going to put tips six, seven, and eight together. Actually listen to the lyrics, actually read the lyrics, and print out the lyrics and take notes on the page. Give us a walk us through that. I think these were, were almost a response to, to kind of the person that I am. I want to like understand it, get it, go, and move on to the next one. And so these were just three different ways that I wanted to encourage people to just take a step back, kind of. In, erase some of the preconceived notions you have in your own mind to kind of, uh, you know, do more listening than talking 
and it just kind of like let the lyrics speak for themselves. And then um, you have up next, uh, write down all of of your thoughts about the song as soon as possible. What's up with this one? You know, and that's something that I tell my lit students a lot is they'll be confused about a song uh, when they're when they're taking my class. Sorry, they'll be uh, confused about a poem, uh, and I I don't know what to tell them. Like, because either I have to explain it to them, or they're going to look it up on Sparks Notes, and I really want them to come up with the meaning for themselves. And something that helps me a lot is if I'm confused, I like to just write down a lot of stuff. And typically, it's kind of like that talking out loud tip. Typically, if you write things down, you have a better understanding of what thoughts are inside your own head. And you can begin to categorize it, understand where you are in relation to the meaning. And it just helps things to make a lot more sense. It's, you know, it's basically journaling. If you've ever uh, done a little bit of that, it just kind of helps you to make sense of your day or, or your thoughts or whatever is going on. That's like the, the, you, the diary you were showing me that you keep, Evan. Yes, that what you, call you it? promised You're you would never tell anyone about that. <laughs> you kind of do that on YouTube, Pastor Wolf. There, you uh, you draw pictures and stuff. <laughs> oh, we lost Pastor Wolf. Uh, Boy, right right when I made a dig, it gets, gets disconnected. <laughs> All right, uh, you back there, Pastor? Yeah, I'm back. All right, I was making fun uh, of your tip YouTube number channel. ten. <laughs> I, yeah, I heard that. It's my my uh, online diary. <laughs> Number 10, let the songwriter speak to you. This rounds it out, uh, Clifford. What do you got about that one? Yeah, and honestly, this is kind of the fluffiest one. The rest of them are like, all right, here's a practical tip. You can do this, this, and this. Uh, but I think, again, I, I this is kind of for myself. Uh, you have to be able to sit back and just kind of listen to the song straight through. The music's going to mean something to, to the lyrics. They're going to affect how you hear it. So if you just read it uh, or you just focus on the lyrics, you're going to miss out on something. And it's about listening to the emotion in the songwriter's voice. It's just, you know, a lot of that sort of like hard to quantify stuff. How, how do you, I, how many of the pop songs do you think are going to endure? Uh, I mean, how many are going to remain in the kind of artistic canon in a hundred years? Do you think there's some around that are going to actually become classics and be studied as poetry in the, in the generations to come? Do you think in like on the level of the Beatles or, or somebody? Well, from, I don't like, know. Like, I, yeah, I, I mean, I know you know you got to study the the Beatles would be a st- uh, you'd study them for, certainly for their historical thing, but would you study them? Would you study the Beatles songs um, as literary pieces, uh, classical literary pieces? I, I really think that you should. That that's one thing I try to push in my department uh, is just you know we should be able to study music as poetry uh, because I mean it's, it's got words and they're in stanzas and they've got rhymes and all sorts of stuff. Uh, as far as uh, songs that will stand the test of time, I think some stuff from Coldplay is definitely going to do that. Uh, I, 21 Pilots is my favorite band, so I, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think they're going to they're gonna stick around. Uh, I think people like Justin Bieber, their musicals will stick around, but as sort of more like a novelty. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm so offended by that. <laughs> My Justin uh, Bieber hat. I gotta put it on. <laughs> You're one of the Biebs. Yeah, yeah, the Bieber Nation. Bieber is that? Yeah, yeah. Bieber. All right. Well, one more break. Well, not what? one more. Another That's break. How fast does this happen? We're gonna put this to practice. We're gonna do uh, preaching to Hollywood after this, and we're gonna look at the song "Prayer in C" by Lily Wood and the Prick. And uh, we're going to have our expert guests help us in this game, Preaching to Hollywood. 
Uh, we're actually going to get something something going on this show. We'll be yeah. right back. Table Talk Radio, don't go away. I think Blues Travels, they're going to be in the classics. Best show ever. Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Bumping in with the classics of Western literature. The, 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 the songs that have, have stood the test of time. <laughs> test of time, at least 37 years. <laughs> that's right. That's, a long, that's the kind of longevity that uh, you look for if you are a uh, Table Talk radio listener. I mean, if these guys can it's last right. four, 400 episodes, that's like an eternity. <laughs> Well, uh, we're gonna and a numbed conscience with, with armed with the uh, with the uh, pop song professor. We're gonna listen to this song uh, entitled "Prayer and Sea," and uh, by uh, Lily Wood and the Prick. Uh, uh, Clifford, do you have any maybe setup for this song? Anything that we need to know before we listen to the uh, first few stanzas? Yeah. Um, well, they're they're not Christians, so that's something to keep in mind. You're definitely going to hear something from uh, a different perspective than than maybe a lot of your listeners or or you or I are are used to. Uh, so so that makes it interesting. Uh, and then uh, if you just think about the title of prayer and see, it is in the key of C, but it is a prayer, and that that's probably as much as you need to know starting up. All right, here it is. Far so good. Yeah, I'm liking it. does this song bring us, Pastor? Whoa. Oh. 
You want me to say something about this thing? No, I was thinking, is there more lyrics you want to bring to the listeners for? Uh, Hey, well, let's see if uh, we had the children starving. We heard that one, right? Yep. Hey, when seas will cover lands and when men will be no more, don't think you can forgive you. Yea, when there'll be just silence and when life will be over, don't think you will forgive you. This is really, this is really something. I've heard this song before, you know, when I'm out clubbing. Uh, but, uh, but, but I never really paid attention to the lyrics, which are really, I mean, kind of nihilistically angry. So look at looking at number go, three. I'm going to file this in my angry liberal uh, <laughs> file here. Uh huh. Well, looking at uh, step number three, uh-huh. ask yourself whether it's about uh, romance or religion. I'm going to go with religion. Is that right, Clifford? <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably a safe bet at this point. I, I don't. I haven't had many uh, you know former girlfriends who are capable of making the world slowly die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is a pretty good way to go. Uh, what do you What do you see when you look at this song? Well. <laughs> Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. Well, there's a couple of he things to He doesn't care what I think, Clifford. He, <laughs> you know. I care what you think, though. <laughs> but, uh, Thank you. yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's some stuff going on here, right? The lines that especially uh, that I noticed, they say ya, and I think on the lyrics that I showed you guys, it, it's spelled out Y-E-A-H, but if you listen to the pronunciation, it, this may be incorrect, they actually say ya, which, which almost could be a reference to Yahweh. Hmm. So it, it it sounds like they're they're kind of giving the answer away more that they're talking to the Judeo Christian God, and I think the the singers are actually from a a Jewish background. So this is this is definitely kind of a rebellion against that culture. Uh, but they they say uh, see our world is slowly dying, uh, which was interesting to me because I I don't know whether they come from a naturalistic evolutionary background. I like what you said about nihilism. I think that's definitely appropriate. Uh, but to say that the world is slowly dying rather than slowly get better seemed to go against what a lot of, of naturalists would say. So it was definitely like a darker atheism than I think most that we come into contact with. Hmm. There's uh, it, 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 the, the last phrase of each stanza is very, very similar, although it changes. Uh, the mm-hmm. first one is, don't think I could forgive you. So imagine this is, is talking to God and saying, I can't forgive you for this. Then this next line ends, don't think I could believe you. Then again, the third sentence, don't think I could forgive you. Then don't think they could forgive you. Then don't think you can forgive you. So so that um, it's talking about the sins of God against me, against the world, against the hungry babies, and yeah. then against the whole of the cosmos. And ask, and then the song is about, is, is the prayers is actually saying, it's like the Lord has asked us for forgiveness, and the song is the response to that. And the answer is, nope, no forgiveness for you. Wow, incredible. Yeah. It essentially encapsulate, encapsulates the, uh, the, what is it, the argument, uh, the problem of evil that, that Lewis talks about a lot and a lot of other scholars have had to, to deal with. Just, you know, if God is all powerful and all good, and there's still evil in the world, wouldn't he take care of that? He hasn't taken care of it, therefore he must not exist. <laughs> or, or, uh, so the, so, and you have the two options, right? You, so you see the problem of evil. It has no ra- rational conclusion, at least for our uh, kind of pagan philosophy. So that either God it uh, doesn't exist, or uh, God is wicked, and that's and that's what it seems to be it kind of grabbed in this song. That God is has committed so many crimes that He in fact is unforgivable. Our hands will get more wrinkled. Our hair will be gray. I don't think I could forgive you for that. 
And then, see, the children are starving. Their houses are destroyed. I don't think they can forgive you for that. Uh, the seas will cover the lands. Men will be no more. That's global warming, apparently. Now we'll all be dead. Are you going to forgive yourself? No, you're not even going to forgive yourself. That's how bad you are. God, it's really. Whew. And, and and I think sometimes that atheism is a reaction against the, the and I don't know if this is actually true or not, but atheism is the reaction against the idea that God, if we were to believe God apart from Christ, he would be so wicked that it's a, just a better thing to just pretend like that God doesn't even exist. Um, but this song is pushing past that to this oh, angry. Yeah. And and I think, too, I, uh, from some of my limited observations, I haven't been on Earth for very long, but it seems that a lot of uh, philosophies that aren't Christian seem to be sort of this response to the idea that we should feel guilty about something. And and this song seems to almost be kind of like, a, well, you know, maybe I am unforgivable for some things, or maybe I need to ask forgiveness, but you are unforgivable. And there, there's <laughs> there's no comparison here. Yeah, that's right. How about that for the, you know... Um, uh, we we confess that every human being is in one stage or another of justification, and mostly in a stage of self-justification. That we're just constantly justifying ourselves. But what better way to be able to justify your own wickedness than to say, "Well, look, I might be really bad, but you know who's worse? God. And if God is <laughs> yes. worse than me, then how can I get? It? How can I be even be in trouble? What? A yeah. f- I mean, yeesh. that's some nasty, dark paganism right there. This song doesn't really engage in much symbolism, does it? Uh, eh, not so much, no. I mean, there's like small references. I mean, eh, yeah, no, it's more like maybe some some basic metaphors, like the the oceans covering lands is is either a metaphor for or a description of global warming, like you said. Oh, yeah. Getting gray is you know an example of aging, and so you got some basic metaphors, but not a lot of symbolism, no. I mean, I always find a line like this to be intriguing where it says, I don't think I could believe you. Uh, I mean, I, I don't spend a lot of time talking to leprechauns or unicorns or anything like that. I don't actually have to tell the thing that I don't believe exists uh, that I don't believe you. But yet, <laughs> a, a line here, I don't think I could but, believe you. And, and you see, it, I mean, it's a rebellious thing because right before that it says, our world is slowly dying. I'm not wasting no more time. Now, I think what that means is I'm not wasting any more time believing or trying to believe in God or thinking about God or or even probably praying. Um, uh, I'm, and so, so, the, so now the two options are if I'm not wasting my time on theological sort of things, I'm either going to waste my time being an activist trying to prevent the world from dying myself, becoming my own God and recreating the world after my own image, or just doing whatever I want to do, uh, you know, going out clubbing. Club Rogue River, etc., uh, living the hedonistic life because we're all going down in flames, anyways. Um, but you, but you, you see that it's uh, so that's this kind of rebellious sort of thing. I look around the world and I see evidence of all the I'm having some connection problems with Pastor Wilson there today. Oh, my response is going to be forget it. I'm just going to do what I want. Hey, we missed that, but I'm sure it wasn't that good anyway. Um, <laughs> this brilliant. This is like the most brilliant thing I'd ever said. I, what are the what are the I chances? was so Clifford was going to ask me to collaborate with him on his next pop song. Crunch it was so great, but now I, yeah, so you want to come onto my podcast? Yeah, yeah. You might regret that. I'm I'm just gonna 
that yeah, might... my, I mean, at this point, my podcast is just me talking for 30 minutes about a song. So <laughs> well, that, that sounds down. really good, actually. Yeah. I, I like the sound of that. That sounds <laughs> really good. Fantastic. So, well, one thing I wanted to up. say, just to collaborate what you were saying, though, is you were saying, you know, they're, they're going to become social justice warriors or activists and they're going to try to fix the world and they're, or they're going to become hedonists. And if you watch the music video, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind left that it's definitely hedonism that they choose because they, they basically just it's a bunch of young people going around trying to have a good time. Wow. And that seems to be their answer. All right. We need to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Um, and more with uh, with a pop song professor right after this. Podcasting before it was cool. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We have the uh, almost there. Professor, keep going. And uh, I was thinking about this. You mentioned right before the break, Clifford, how um, when you when you looked at the the music video for Prayer and See, it made more is more evident of of um, this Hellenistic uh, idea. And I was wondering how how do um, how do music videos uh, shed light on meanings? And I wonder. I mean, sometimes it seems like oh, now I get it after seeing the music video. Uh, Other times it's like this has seemingly nothing to do with the meaning of the words oh you're so right like uh the weekend just put out a song Starboy a couple of months ago and the music video has make you know just has a thousand questions attached to it but the song itself is pretty straightforward uh and in that case sometimes uh you have Ooh, to sometimes the music video tells a different story and the song is just kind of a backdrop for that uh i was explaining a song and music video for beneath the horizon they were a heavy metal band and they, their music video was about like this magical creature that they were trying to hunt down because he had like the secrets to the best sound. And it coincided with their song, which was a little bit of a departure from their heavy metal background. And it was much more pop. Uh, but the, the lyrics were just about adults going clubbing when they should kind of grow up and move past it. And so the hey, the take it easy. Say, well, <laughs> I had to bring that up again. <laughs> My conscience is a little bit sensitive. <laughs> yeah, no, no judging. I like going dancing. My, my club life. <laughs> it, it's it's really awkward when the the freshmen in high school see their pastor in the club. That's just awkward. <laughs> That's really awkward. Hey, you guys got some glow sticks? <laughs> <laughs> No, I swing dance uh, in town here, and sometimes my students will come swing dancing, and you're just like, oh, uh, what, what do we do? Uh, we'll <laughs> it doesn't help that I teach the swing dancing, so then now they get taught everywhere they go by me. <laughs> you start giving them grades in the swing dancing. <laughs> that's right. Have you done your homework? <laughs> well, um, so we we play a game here on Table Talk Radio. We call it Preaching to Hollywood, and we, we partly do um, – 
on an amateur level, what you have just done for us is try to talk about the meaning of a song. But the other half of this game is if we were to bump into the, the songwriter in the elevator on an airplane, something like this, what could we actually say to them in light of the uh, meaning of the song? So we just looked at the song uh, Prayer in C, and if you bumped into the songwriter, what might you say to him or her? Well, you know, I think the first thing I would realize with Lilywood and the Prick and and with these lyrics that are going into it uh, is there's a lot of bitterness here and there's a lot of anger. And sure, I think that's being represented as a lot of uh, selfishness, especially when you consider that their solution to it is sort of hedonism. I would say that the, the first thing that I go into it with is just trying to be understanding, trying to understand uh, where they're coming from, how they've been hurt. And I think once you do that, people you can argue logically with somebody all day long and everybody's got some clever argument and everybody can go and research on wikipedia the answer to your argument then you got to go deeper and deeper and deeper uh, but i think probably the the root problem here is that they've been hurt they feel abandoned maybe they're projecting that onto god or, or maybe somebody taught them how to be better like that and so i think the first step is just to go in uh wanting to understand them and wanting to get to know them wanting to care about them as an individual and wanting to take serious, you know, some of their deeper emotional problems. What's what's been some of your experiences? You engage with uh, people on on the level of the kind of pop culture songs and dig into their meanings. How that's um, how how those uh, w- waves have kind of hit people, and what experiences have come out from that. Well, uh, so like an experience of talking to somebody about the song. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call her uh, Mary, but Mary emailed me about a about this song, actually. And she was saying that it really kind of was similar to her journey and how she had kind of come to think of God. And so, first of all, that's that's the first thing that happens is these artists tap into something that other people agree with. Mm. And so now these people are on board with that meaning or, or they say, you know, that's something that I feel, too. And so they feel like this artist understands them. They come to my website and I just give a a clear explanation. Sometimes I give a couple thoughts at the end, uh, my perspective, but I like to encourage that discussion. I want people to be, to feel safe enough to be vulnerable. And so, so Mary, I think she commented and then she actually emailed me and just told me about some of like the terrible stuff that had happened to her uh, at the hands of Christians or, or things that she felt like she blamed God for. And sometimes it's not that dramatic. Sometimes it's just somebody uh, was raised a Christian, never really felt it, saw the injustice in the world and felt like, you know, there can be no God because of this evil. And, and they'll, they'll talk to me too. And so we just have these discussions and I typically try to start it out with just trying to be very understanding, just trying to be somebody's friend. And if they want to lead the conversation further, uh, then I can engage them logically. But the, the first step for me is always just trying to like show love and, and a willingness to listen. I think it's amazing in this song. It's, a, the, I mean, the way that it starts is really where it, it goes off the rails. Um, it's a, it says, yeah, you never said a word. You didn't send me no letter. I don't think I could yeah. forgive you. So it it starts with the assumption that we've never heard from God. So there's no way that we can explain the evil and trouble that we see in the world. But the pro- that's precisely what the scriptures are given to us as a word and letter from God, where he, in fact, is saying, look, it, it looks like everything's falling apart, like the world is slowly dying. But I have something to tell you that Christ himself has died, not slowly. I mean, it took him six hours to die for you and for me. And that's where we find the, the, the love of God. So that the, the song itself starts with the, with, the, with the faulty premise that we haven't heard from the Lord. 
Um, I, I, I think, in other words, you can say then, if, if this is true, if all we have to, to know and believe about God is from looking around, then we should all be hedonistic, despairing, you know, hedonists. But if we have something else from God, if we have a word from God, then we have something that we can actually cling to. So let's go and see what the letter that the Lord sent to us actually says. And and not only does it say that he that we don't need to forgive him, but the good news is that in this letter we read that God, in fact, forgives us. And that's our great joy. And I think that's, that's such a good point. Uh, after you've kind of gotten to know the person a little bit, they, they're willing to like listen to you. That's the kind of thing you can say, well, yeah, God did send a word. Did send a word. He did send a letter. I was I was curious what you thought about this, Clifford. Do do the do the pop songs? Um, do they sort of um, diagnose common thought in our culture today, or do they sort of set the tone for thought in culture today? <laughs> that is the question I've been trying to answer since I started, uh, and I would say that it's just kind of a, a give and take relationship. These these songs can't come about without people having already thought these thoughts. Uh, so maybe your thought leaders, who are a very small percentage of the population, write this song, and everybody else thinks, "Oh, you know, actually, I feel this way too." Uh, or maybe somebody writes that song, and everybody thinks, "Oh, that's actually kind of a good idea." It, it's kind of two sides of the same coin, I'd have to say. And then um, you, just because you know the process better than than we do, um, do a lot of the artists who actually perform it are they also the ones who are the the songwriters, or is it more common that you have songwriters and then you just have performers? Yeah, that's another good question. Typically, your your top performers are gonna either they're gonna they're gonna get credit for writing their songs, but it's gonna be they're gonna be the fifth person in line for writing their songs. So the weekend, he's R and B pop, and he probably doesn't write a lot of his music. Somebody like Lilywood and the Prick, though, they they're probably writing their own songs. They're small enough. I write my own liners. <laughs> I'm small enough. You don't even. I write my own blog posts, so I'm doing okay. You barely write your own sermons, Pastor. That's true. That's true. I think I've got some pastors who just kind of quote C.S. Lewis the entire time, and you know, this seems to work out well for them. Let him write them. That's that's right. To quote Aslan, who? Asian? What? <laughs> All right, so we have a couple minutes left, uh, Clifford. Um, if we uh, check out your your podcast, now you're podcasting through YouTube. Is that how you get it out? Well, I've I've got three mediums. Whoa. I've got the blog. The podcast is on the blog, and then YouTube is its own thing. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. what what's the podcast all about? Get, uh, give us uh, give us kind of a rundown on that. Yeah, the podcast is just kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people will Google song meanings, and typically they'll only Google them if the song's popular right now. So I write blog posts about those songs, but then if there's a song I really want to get into that's kind of deep and has a lot of meaning to it, then I'll take I'll take it to the podcast. And that's typically about a half an hour, maybe 20 minutes, and we just kind of go through each stanza and try to explain every reference, every allusion, and we keep it lighthearted, have a good time, but I, I think people definitely can have the opportunity to come away uh, really understanding that song on a deep level. I'm totally against the lightheartedness. <laughs> I'm also totally against having a good time. So what? What's, Nobody go listen to that. What's the last uh, song you did on your podcast? Oh, you know, actually, I think we're kind of taking a break during because uh, we just finished season one, so we're getting ready for season two, but... Let's see. Uh, it was uh, 21 Pilots' song from Vessel. It's a uh, truce. 
And uh, if you, we have about 40 seconds here. Can you give us just kind of a quick uh, idea of what that song's all about? Oh, you know what? It's been a while, and I keep mixing that song up with another song on the album. So I feel like if I did that, That's I might okay. make a fool of myself. That's okay. We do that. We do that all the time. All right. What well, are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, some of us do it all the time. I, I won't throw myself in that. <laughs> all right. Well, give give us just some last word here. Give us the web address of where people can check you out. Sure. It's uh, CliffordSTUMME.com. Or if you Google Pop Song Professor, I'll be the first thing that comes up. All right. The Pop Song Professor, Cl- Clifford Stumi. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Table Talk Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And thank you That's for listening great. to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the confession of the Agnus Day in any sort of Lily Wood and the Prick songs. <laughs> You got 500 points just right there. Did you see that? That was good. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult hey, we your pastor to before get listening to Table Clifford's Talk Radio. Confession. That's, That's got to be a bonus after the thing here. Hallucinations right. and a podcast-only bonus. With aquatic imagery, psychosis, Guess Clifford's confession. Brain tumors, I'm on it, though, man. I got this guy pinned down. A sudden craving oh, yeah? to smell we'll your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. All right, what's your, what's your guess? Uh, he almost said the word Advent. I was leaning reform, but now I'm going to say he is a Episcopalian. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with uh, some form of a um, reformed uh, Presbyterian or some similar kind of Calvinist. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep, yep Evan's got it. Got it. Oh, I'm, a, dang it. I'm a backsliding Baptist uh, trying to move my way into Presbyterianism. That's like half a step pre-Lutheran, right there, baby. <laughs> Yeah, who knows where I'll end up next? A couple years. Everybody from now, maybe is in some stage of pre-Lutheranism. No, 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 no. Take it easy. You'll find. <laughs> you just, it just if you're on your way to Roman Catholicism, just remember that Lutheranism is on the way, and just go there and stop. <laughs> <laughs>